We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This hour is being brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call 1-877-CARS with a K, the number four kids. Ray, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score. James Feigen. Yes, James. James Feigen's got some branding on his laptop. Making sure everybody knows that he's joined the Athletic. Can never get too much exposure. On Twitter at JR Feigen. I can anticipate this question is probably way too early, but excellent. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Asking the questions to get the answers you need. If you knew that Abreu was available to be the runner there, would you have gone to him instead of Hendrick? Yeah, if I'd known that, I didn't know that. Let's check the rule. I'm guessing you know the rules better. Now I know. James Feigen with Lawrence Holmes on 670 James joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, some of the world's largest sports book. He covers the White Sox for The Athletic. Get yourself a subscription because you can see some of the cool stuff that James is writing about, including the injury to Tim Anderson. Hey, James, how are you? I'm okay. How about you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I'm 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 dreading this trip that the White Sox are making to Toronto and to Tampa, just because when you lose Tim Anderson, you know what? You're the expert. What do the White Sox lose by losing Tim Anderson for at least a couple of weeks? Uh, well, on a simple basis, you have the fourth worst scoring offense in the major leagues losing their best hitter. Um, uh, it'll provide a little lesson to everybody on the defensive spectrum because the value of losing a great hitting shortstop over losing like Jose Abreu for a couple of weeks is you could maybe more reasonably expect Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets to get hot in his place, whereas you need to slide another shortstop. We tend to be light-hitting guys. So it's not only losing your best hitter, but also in a particular position where you can't really replace them offensively very easily. And then, you know, anybody who uh, is employed by the White Sox will talk your ear off about how the value of Tim Anderson is much more intangible beyond his great numbers, that he's the spark plug, that he's the energizer, he's their leader, he's the captain of the team, as Danny Mendick, the guy who's probably going to play a lot more in his stead, uh, calls him on, on Sunday. So it, it said basically, you know, I would have said that Luis Robert has the potential to one day to be like the best player on this team, um, but... This, this is losing your best player on the team uh, for a team that hasn't played that well coming out, and they're probably playing their hardest nine-game stretch of the entire season. You say dread, but maybe you could look at it as the stakes have never been higher for the season. If you wanted a big moment that kind of calls this team to the mat to kind of get out of the doldrums of, that they've been in all year, here it is. So it's, you're going to find out a lot about how they respond, I would think. What have the White Sox said on record about how badly they think 
Tim is hurt, and should we read into read anything into him just being on the ten day IL? The actual move of him being on ten day IL is not really that significant because you put guys on the sixty day when you have the other roster move to add someone uh, that you need the space. So you don't just like Garrett Crochet when he tore his Tommy John. Obviously, everyone knew when he was out for the year. He wasn't actually put on the 60-day until they had another move to use that space that he would vacate um, to use it. So it, it really doesn't mean anything. And so far what they've said is nothing more than we already know, is that he has a growing strain. He's going on the injured list. But the update that's supposed to happen is coming uh, before the game from Tony Arusa in Toronto. Now, once again, possibly just meaningless, but I know everyone over the coming years has uh, grown to dread Rick Hahn is scheduled to talk to the media about someone's injury, and at least that is not happening uh, today. I don't know if that's just you know logistical or because this is not something that needs to explain a very long and gruesome uh, medical diagnosis. I'm, I'm sure Rick has grown sick of beating the Grim Reaper in that respect, but at least it's not happening in this case. What are the options to replace Tim at the top of the order? Because I can't find a good one. Basically, put somebody who is historically – been good and I hope they kind of get hot uh, at least before Tim really solidified it we saw a little bit of effort, uh, up there uh, four points of the season he certainly offers that level of speed and uh, you know puts the ball in play as much as Tim when he's at his best but obviously you're in a team where you don't have your middle or the guys hitting like you want to and Lewis Robertson used in that respect so I could, I could see something like that I could foresee him doing something like hoping Yohan uh, Mankata gets back to being the on-base guy he's been and just kind of throwing him up there and kind of hoping it happens and hoping he gets hot. Um, I, I think he'll probably lean on some more of his traditional mainstays than something purely like it's 2018 again and Larry Garcia is the leadoff hitter again. But, you know, Tony is nothing not unpredictable when it comes to lineup. That's very true. Since 2020, you've had the added bonus of having to cover – how COVID affects baseball players. And so far, we've seen the spectrum for the White Sox be pretty broad. Like some guys have no symptoms but tested positive. And then there's Yoan Moncada, who it seems like was dealing with long COVID, although I don't know if he ever got that diagnosed. For the White Sox fans who didn't understand the severity of it, how badly were things for Moncada? You saw, I mean, I think the anecdote that comes out a lot was when they talked about him scoring from first in that final series in Cleveland at the end of the season and just being out of breath to the point where they weren't sure he could come out for the next inning defensively. Uh, But you just kind of saw him fatigued and out of sorts. You know, the kind of look that he gets sometimes when he has like a sore hamstring or some some kind of nagging ache uh, comes up with him, you know, he had that all the time and obviously saw – I mean, you really haven't seen the standout power that he had in 2019 since then. It was very prominent in 2020, but he is not. He was a 25 home run guy back in 2019. Obviously, the balls are a little bit different back then, but you have not seen that sort of same elite level pop that you thought would make him a 25, 30 home run guy on an annual basis since that happened. I don't know if that's just you know about a swing or how he's being pitched, but the correlation is very stark there that makes you wonder are we going to see that dude going forward? I think it's probably unfair to rule it out, but it, it's something that kind of lingers over the career because this is a guy who seemed like he was going to be 
you know, a perennial superstar has now gone through difficulties. Maybe those that would already happen, but he's kind of the first guy you think of as a test case of, you know, looking at what long form, long term effects COVID might have on a, an elite athlete. I, so I'm, I'm I only bring it up because I'm I'm hopeful that Luis Robert is on the other end of the spectrum I mean, for him and for the team that that he's going to be fine and we'll see him and he'll look like normal. But even with the layoff, are are you concerned at all about? Robert, who's having a pretty good season, him getting right back into the swing of things, especially if they're going to maybe ask him to do more with T.A. out. I certainly would be concerned just from the standpoint of that Robert's kind of an aggressive player and guys, guys like that, they kind of need the, their fastball timing to key everything, and that's not necessarily something we could expect from him out the gate. Obviously, the big separator is that Yon Mankata caught COVID in 2020. Um, we Robert and also, Yaman Kadi, if any you know, subsequent instances come up, is that they're vaccinated now, and ideally the effects are less likely to be you know, bigger and long-reaching the way that they you knew that they had a chance to be when all these guys are facing it without the protection of the vaccine. So that's obviously what you're hoping uh, you know, saves the day with Robert beyond just hoping he has better luck than Yon did. What would you do with Jake Berger if you were the White Sox? I would certainly be thinking hard of it just because you've had, I mean, I, I, I think to some degree of success right now, you want to still hunt for good matches for him rather than I'd say throw him out there every single day and he's going to be one of your best five hitters the way he's been so far this season. But he's a guy who's giving you, you know, consistently lively at bats or, you know, showing more of a spark than some of your other options. So I think getting creative about ways to get him a lineup, you know, is, is definitely worth considering. I don't know if um, without Tim Anderson, if you, it doesn't seem like they're super comfortable with him at second base, even though they played him there one night. Uh, I really don't think the organization is up to the feeling of let's put uh, Yohan Kata back at second base because I feel like moving him to third, you know, was so critical for his development and you know made him so much more comfortable and so much more suited for his defensive style that I don't think they're just going to reverse that midseason on a whim, but certainly if you have a matchup against a left-handed pitcher, you know, Hinjin Roo uh, on, on Wednesday, I think you have to think about Jake Berger playing DH or ways to get his bat in the lineup because if nothing else, he's shown you can consistently do that. And I, I, I think if, uh, if you feel like Juan Mankata is having an off night or if you want him to rest, you know, Jake Berger should be top of mind for getting him opportunities. I, it seems like a situation similar a bit to Andrew Vaughn last year, especially at the beginning where maybe he didn't have a, solid like everyday slot but you should be thinking about ways to get him in the lineup or get him in the matchup whenever there's an off day for someone else uh whenever possible are are they still as confident as as a team as an organization that some things are going to revert that that they'll they'll be this adjustment that'll happen and players will start to look at like the back of their baseball cards that's what they say. Um, you know, this is now two months of really, you know, consistent struggles, and it's not just like hits aren't falling or the ball isn't traveling the way it should or guys are off. It's you know, the lack of offensive success is baked into you know the decisions on what they're swinging at. It's you know, the, the chase rate is at the top of baseball, the ground ball rate's at the top of baseball, the walk rate's at the bottom of baseball. Like they're earning the poor results they're getting. So I, I think there's still, there's not really many options other than to keep faith and say like guys who have been perennially, 
perennially uh, productive are going to continue to do so. Uh, that the fact that everyone is sane uh, and focused on the right things in terms of approach and saying uh, diagnosing correctly what they're doing wrong um, means that they'll find a way out of it. But yeah, the, the track record is starting to build of, of this group not doing what it needs to do to succeed at the plate. So I think there's got to be concern, but also they're in their contention window. There's, there's not really easy ways to pivot out of this. I, I can't imagine how bad it would have to get for them to say, like, this group isn't going to do it. We need to do some sort of soft sell or soft, uh, you know, kind of retooling to make this start thinking about how the team's going to be better this season because this group isn't it. I, I think they have to stay the course as long as they possibly can because that's how this organization is oriented. Everything is at the major league level focused on trying to win right now with this group. So I, I don't know how you turn to steer out of that. That's partly how I read the Dallas Keuchel DFA, too, where, I mean, if, if you weren't contending, fine, go out there and, and eat innings, but they can't afford to keep losing games before they come to the plate, you know, in, in the first inning. What was the determining factor in saying, yeah, we're just going to eat the rest of this money and, and send Dallas on his way? I think you were already staring at that decision becoming inevitable in two weeks when Lance Lynn comes back. You're not going to sacrifice or, you know, put space in between Dylan Caesar or Michael Kopech starts or run a six-man rotation for the sake of trying to get back somebody that you thought was really not at the same level since the second half of last season. I, I, I you know, I definitely had conversations with people you know, with the Sox organization who, who saw that, you know, this was not trending in a good direction last year. So obviously you hope that there's a way to, you know, stanch the, the flow or, you know, get him to a point where he's not obviously what he was in 2020, but is giving you bulk innings uh, at a four and a half ERA or something like that, the way he's doing the first half of 2021. And that's useful and that's valuable, especially when you have pitching injuries. But, I think they had more than enough data to say, like, this is not going to be productive. This is not going to be useful. And knowing that there was not going to be any kind of room to continue to rehabilitate it in a couple of weeks and saying, you know, we're getting, we're getting trucked every, every five days right now. We could do better with Vince Velasquez or, or Davis Martin or anything, even in the meantime to Lance Lynn just made it, you know, why continue to go on with this uncomfortable situation with, that this team really doesn't have the ability to sustain and, and afford. James, as always, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks for having me. That is James Fegan. He writes for The Athletic. He's really good at it, too. You should get a subscription to The Athletic. I have one. I was reading his stuff today. I was reading some of Sahadev's stuff today on the Cubs. There's usually some really good football stuff in there, too. Oh, there is a football note to pass along. Akeem Hicks signed a one-year deal with Tampa Bay for $10 million. I think it's a perfect fit for him. I think he will fit in just fine. And hopefully he gets an opportunity to play for some meaningful stuff because that's, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that that wasn't going to happen with the Bears. If you need something a little bit different in your sports window, like perhaps you're a Cub fan or you're a White Sox fan and you're a little bit disappointed with your team. If you like, to see some people playing at a championship level, I've got something for you. Northwestern's women's team is in the College World Series. And they had to do a little bit of everything to get there. 
I'm going to talk with their coach about it next here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two, on Sports Radio 670 The Score. And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. 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 To Rollin. Swing and a pop up. Katie over. She's got it. Get ready, Oklahoma. Here comes Northwestern. The Wildcats are returning to the Women's College World Series. Highlight courtesy of ESPN. I watched this wild series between Northwestern and Arizona State. And I was just sitting there going, this is this is nuts. Like, you know, I already like I love softball. And I've been talking about it and seeing that Northwestern is is going to be back at the, the Women's College World Series is a very, very cool thing. Kate Drohan is their head coach, and I'm also terrified of her. I'll explain to her why that's the case in just a second. She joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, some of the world's largest sports book. Kate, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Hello, thank you for having me on. I can't wait to hear the story. <laughs> okay, so here's why I'm terrified of you. It's because you I have never seen a coach or a manager be as calm but pointed as you are when you talk to umpires. Like watching you kind of walk around the diamond talking to umpires about things that upset you and doing it in such a calm way. I was like, oh, that that person is a super fierce competitor that has just learned how to mask their fierce competitiveness. I was like, she is someone not to be trifled with. That's why I'm afraid of you right there. So I got to know, where does that come from? We lost her. I did the whole preamble and stuff. Oh man. But yes, she, you're going to, when you see her in the college world series, you're going to see someone who is absolutely like in control of themselves. And, and sometimes in situations where you would think a coach or a manager wouldn't be. So, so Kate, thanks for rejoining me. I, I want to know like, where does that competitive fire come from inside of you and how are you able to contain it? All right. Well, here's the story. I'll, t- I'll give you a little background, right? So when I first started, I, 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 was pretty young when I was uh, given a job here as a head coach. And I thought I needed to be all tough on the field. I would go out and I would run at the umpire and yell at them. And boy, my father would get angry with me. And he just kind of said, like, that's, that's not how it's going to work. You know, and he's just like, you're not, you're not, this is not the MLB here. This is not how you're going to, how you're going to work with the umpire. So I learned a lot from him. And, and honestly, it's, it's, I've, I've gotten more calls or more like discussions happening on the field or maybe more next calls by being respectful and just being like, okay, what'd you see out here? And, and uh, you know, h- how can we get this right? So that's how we try. I think sometimes my emotions do get the best of me, but that's what I'm working for. That's what I'm trying to model for our women. You know, you got to just listen. No, I, I, I completely get that. Was your dad a coach? My dad coached me in every sport growing up. Uh, he was a fireman by trade. 
but a big sports fan. Grew up in New York City and um, just was a, was a walking sports almanac and um, really taught me everything I know about the game. So that's great. Like I always love it when parents end up sharing this type of stuff with their kids and then seeing you grow up and have this type of success and over 500 wins and, and, and now being in the college world series is pretty cool. That, that series seemed really stressful as a viewer. How stressful was it as a coach? They were unbelievable games. And the thing that I think the reason why we came out on top was because we didn't feel the stress in the dugout, you know, like, they were high-pressure situations, sure, but our team was able to, to just continue to focus on the game, not think too much about if this, if that, or the, what the results meant. And I think that's why we're able to, to kind of come from behind a few times um, and really keep our composure and also to keep enjoying the moment, you know. And us not getting tense in that moment was great, and that's what we're working for as we take the field on Thursday. You know, this is, this is an epic stage here for our team in Oklahoma City, and we're playing Oklahoma, so – they're going to have thousands of fans cheering for them. And so it's just about staying in the moment and continuing to enjoy the game. With Oklahoma, they're so good and they put up a ton of runs. You, know, you see them and, and you go, wow, that's a, that's a scary lineup that they're able to put out there. What, what do you hope the focus is of your team going into this matchup? Well, I, I, think, I think it's really useful that we just faced Arizona State who at their, at their park, right? And, and Arizona State is a very dynamic offense in the desert at their, at their park. And what we talked about a lot with our team then, and we'll continue to do it, is we just can't give them anything for free. You know, they're, they're going to get some hits. They're, they're going to hit some home runs, and that's, that's part of the game these days. But we, we, can't, we can't give it to them in bunches. You know, we've got to be able to be within striking distance. And so Oklahoma's tough. They have top to bottom, and even, even people who don't get to play every day, really, really talented hitters. But we've got we've to force them to, make, to earn it. When I was watching the, the games this weekend, I, I was thinking about a, a strategic part of softball that you don't have to ever worry about when you're talking about baseball, and it's the concept of reentry. With mm-hmm. Danielle Williams, who's one of the best pitchers in college baseball, you had a moment where you chose to, to put her back on the mound. How do you go about taking a player out of a game and making sure they're ready to go back into a game? So you have to understand that these women grew up playing the game that way, right? So this is so natural to us, this reentry rule. But I took her, I took her off the field on Saturday because I thought she just needed a mental and emotional break. Um, and I also thought that Arizona State needed to see something different. You know, but as soon as I took her out of the game, I said to her in the dugout, I said, hey, you know, we tie this up, we get the lead, be ready to go back in. And I thought LD came in and was throwing gas, and she did a great job getting some outs for us. Um, you know, and, and honestly, again, we got it, we've got it back into extra. So we had another position, we had another chance to win. And, and seeing her perform the way that she did, what did she throw? Like 400 pitches in, in the three games? Yeah. <laughs> That's you amazing. Know, it's so funny. It's so funny to hear people talk about the number of pitches. And, and I do think that matters, right? I, I don't think it matters as much as baseball. And especially with Danielle's style. Um, you know, she's not throwing 70 miles an hour every time. So her speed, even if her speed goes down a little bit, that's okay. We still have a lot to work with because she's able to spin the ball so well through the zone. So we just need to keep that differential between her fast stuff and her slow stuff at, at the range that, that we think is effective. I've been trying to sell to the listener. I, I, I went to DePaul. So 
when Eugene Linty was a softball coach at DePaul, they were very successful. They found themselves you know, playing for conference championships, ending up in the College World Series. So I've kind of loved softball since college. But for those that are uninitiated and maybe they're jumping on because they see a local team like Northwestern doing well, what are the things that you love about softball that you hope other people will love too? Well, I love it because it's, because, you know, baseball is our national pastime, right? So everyone has a sense of what the sport of baseball is about, most everyone. And so it's really translatable in terms of softball, right? I think softball is so is so cool for a sports fan even because we have a smaller field than baseball. Our, our game feels just as fast as baseball, if not faster. So you're engaged at a much higher level than maybe a slower paced baseball game. And so the, and, and TV has, has done such an amazing job of showcasing our sport, the camera angles, the really cool things that ESPN will do this, this week on the field, which is some really creative um, you know, camera rails and different things like that. It's, it's, it's just, it showcases the sport so well. And then you get the dugout shots, you get the emotion, you, you get all that stuff that's so important to our sport. I think it adds a whole nother level. So you've got, you've got power, you've got home runs. I, I think it's, I think it's awesome. These last two seasons that the team put together have been super impressive. What, what does it mean to you to, to be there in Oklahoma city? I mean, this, this, is, this is the pinnacle, right? And we were here before two other times, um, and the growth of our sport just in the last 15 years is tremendous. Just the stadium itself, and the, public, the, the fact that we have two ABC games happening this weekend, um, just really, really critical stuff. Um, but this is every little softball player's dream, is to play in Oklahoma City in June. It, it's, there's nothing bigger than this. So... For our team to have had the composure these last three weeks, um, just the, the grittiness and the resiliency to, to really take it one game at a time because it's a tough road, and it's only getting tougher with the parity in our sport. So um, I, I can't wait to see their faces when we take the practice field tomorrow. I know that winning is the objective, but you brought you taught you, inside this interview, you were telling me about how you care about what's going on with your players mentally and, and how they approach it. How do you allow them to enjoy the moment, but also say we got a job to do while we're here? We've been practicing that all year, right? When we played UCLA in February, it's the same message. When we, when we played Michigan at home, which is our biggest series, the same message, you know. So I feel like this isn't something I, I we we don't have to learn how to do that this weekend. We just have to identify that, hey, there are going to be 20 cameras and 15,000 people watching us while we do it. So let's, let's keep that in perspective. You know, let's get excited about that, but also really, really focus on what's happening between the lines and in our dugout. And, and our team is so funny. You know, they're very mature, a lot of, lot of older players, but they're, such, they're, they're just so protective of kind of our vibe and what we have going so it's about relying on that. And, and the, thing, the thing that I said to our team in 06 and 07 when we got here and the thing that I'll preach to them for the next 48 hours for as long as they'll listen to me is they have one job this week, and that's for them to be themselves. They don't have to be extra. They don't have to be more. They have to just be themselves and play the game the way they know how to play it. Kate, good luck with this. I, I'm really, really happy for what your team accomplished. That, that the series against Arizona State was wild. Like it was really wild. And I was 
I was actually in Arizona. I was down the street, and I was like, it's too damn hot. It was too damn hot to go to the game. But I was out at a bar, and what was super exciting for me is that there were a bunch of people that were in, you know, Dodgers gear and Diamondbacks gear that were watching baseball that had them turn the volume up on the game while while yeah. we were out there at the bar. So seeing it break through that way that that it's a great game, it's got a lot of energy to it. Seeing you guys survive that series and now be able to go over to to Oklahoma City, I think is great. So I I, I really hope you win, but I'm just super proud that you guys were able to get there and and make softball a, a, a destination for sports fans. They're looking for something fun. Thanks. I appreciate that. And I think, I think you're right. It's legit. Like it's, it's, it's high level stuff. And these women are really good. They are. And they have a really good coach too. Kate, good luck in Oklahoma city. Thanks Lance. I appreciate you having me on. Go Cats. There it is. See, it's not just Fitz. It's not just Fitz. Who does it? Kate does it too. I'm telling y'all, it, it, it's this Northwestern team is pretty, like, it's crazy how good they are. And their their star pitcher, Danielle Williams, she'll get an opportunity. I'm guessing she's going to start game one. She's great. But I make no mistake, Oklahoma, they got some mashers. Like, you're going to see that line of you and be like, oh, boy. It's the worst draw that Northwestern could have gotten. Because Oklahoma's like, they're terrifying. But what they did against Arizona State at Arizona State, it was a three-game series, and they alternated who was the home team. It was wild. And I'm, I'm, I imagine that there will be some wild opportunities in the College World Series, too. It's one of my favorite events of the year, the, the Women's College World Series in Oklahoma City. So know that Northwestern is there. They have a chance to win a national championship, but they got to go through the toughest team basically at home. Still, go Cats. I love that. See, y'all's out here just thinking that's the way the fit signed off, but no. Northwestern softball feels the same way. Back after this on the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. It's been fun on today's show. Usually whenever I go on vacation, like, I get, like, a reset. Like, that's kind of the goal, right? The, the goal is to reset yourself and start doing things. I'm glad that today we were able to talk about some things that are a little off the beaten path for what a local big city sports talk show does. Like, being able to introduce people to Kate Drohan and what she's doing. Like, I, I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, man, I would I would have loved to have played for a coach like her. You know what I mean? Like, she's 
she's clearly like a competitive person and she's grown. And I and I think that all of us as sports fans have opportunities to grow by checking out stuff that maybe is is kind of adjacent to the stuff that we like. That's why I've I've been on this very like small campaign of telling people who are baseball fans that they should check out college softball because there's really an energy to it. But really, it's, it's just a matter of trying new things, which I am guilty of sometimes not doing enough of, not trying new stuff, not seeing what's new out there and getting into routine. I do like it occasionally as someone who lives by a routine. I do like it when I am pleasantly surprised when I'm knocked off of my routine. And sports-wise, we could use some of that. When your teams aren't great, and that's the struggle that most baseball fans find themselves in in Chicago, you've got to find an outlet for those things that you like about competition. This weekend, there was a lot of cool stuff that did that, including Northwestern softball and lacrosse and the Champions League championship, all sorts of cool stuff. There's a great mosaic of sports, and you can find it. Stanley Cup playoffs have been amazing. Just saying, it's a lot of stuff. Talk with Parkinson Spiegel next here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.